Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. What up? Welcome to the podcast. Father John. Father Nathan. We're back. We're back, folks. Sunday afternoon. When you're coming out of pastor lane, Sunday afternoon is a tall order to rally and and, uh, record, so I admire your courage and... uh, I like it because you're a little bit on edge too, which is going to make for some interesting banter. Here. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't. John, Father John always proposes the day off as a great time to podcast, and I don't normally like doing that. Um, I also am fairly busy during the week, as is he. Um, and then weekends uh, can be pretty scattered. Father Mike uh, and I put to death the belief that one podcaster wrote or not podcaster they're 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 not part of the family but somebody wrote an iTunes review saying those guys would have would abandon their parishes if they had the choice and just podcast and drink bourbon all the time and yeah like, and it's like um yeah like, I mean, I, I, we very rarely get together so anyways uh but then i have a slot from uh, one o'clock, one thirty until five thirty tonight. Whenever I have mass, so normally it's like extended nap time, right? Um, or families, or house blessings, or whatever. Right. So uh, I was like, oh, we can try it. But I was very grateful that he let me eat because as I was walking over, I was like, I swear to you, if I don't put some potato salad in my belly immediately, I'm gonna be very upset. Right? No, it was a good. It was a good thing. I knew you were coming right off the second round and you know you gotta you gotta you kind of whip the Prokovicker a couple times and then get the potato salad out and oh start, start the afternoon he god bless him but he <laughs> tries he tries to be like yeah but did it did it go that bad you know like was it was it really that bad and it's just like just let me let me like i i screwed it up like i know i screwed it up you don't have to make me feel better that the next one went better of course it went better, but I screwed yeah, up the first one. I would agree. Uh, if I could, I'd like to run a like a school or maybe like a six-week course for preparing men to be your parochial vicars. And one of them I would do is be like, don't counter with positivity for yeah. the sake of positivity. Right. Because it just... If sent- you really believe what you're saying, yeah. you can say it and he'll... But don't just... I bet it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was bad. And well, it's okay that what happened was are bad. we adopted a new schedule. We adopted a new schedule, and now your sometimes your first mass is the biggest mass, nine a.m. Right, nine a.m. is the mega mass where it's packed to the gills. Everybody's expecting it to go, you know, very well. And um, and it was my first homily, and I I just was off my game. I got a I got a former Marine general staring at me right. like like. What what happened, man? Right, you know. So it happens, but right. I got potato salad in me, and I felt much better. And I'll 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 say I'm sorry to him later. Your, your good friend Trevor doesn't pitch a no hitter every time he gets up, you know. So right, that's gotta, right. You gotta throw. You gotta throw it all out there, but you're not doing anything all week, anyways. Yeah, just drinking bourbon by the pool. Just drinking bourbon, and <laughs> I did put my feet in the pool the other day. Yeah. So that I could soften my toenails <laughs> to cut them, you jackrabbits. Anywho, I'm all right. We had a um, um, interesting morning at the house. So um, I thought it was about 2 a.m., but it was apparently about 11 p.m. Power wow. outage. 
So all the fans, everything shuts off. Oh. And I was like out of it. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. And then I wake up and it's just like, we live right on 6th Avenue. It's very right. hot. Yep. And uh, it's an old brick building, about 100 year old. And I was just, it was one of those wake ups where you're just like, <laughs> you know? So I kind of randomly moved into the guest room where there's bigger windows and kind of woke up there this morning. Um, no alarm clocks went off, nothing. It was kind of a crazy morning. What was even crazier was trying to figure out how to get electricity back in that building. Yeah. So what would be the first thing you would do? Find the breakers. Right. Went to the breaker box. Right. Everything looks fine. Right. But if, I mean, if it's a power outage. It wasn't. We look outside. There's a church, there's a light on, on across the walkway in the church. Hmm. So, uh, and then some Hispanic guys come out of the church and they're, uh, we're trying to communicate with them. And I'm, of course, speaking Italian and good old Ab- Adam Urban from Dodge City. Um, we figure out that the lights are actually out in the church as well. And so right. I send in the country boy because he actually knows what he's doing. And I was just like, I'm going to go read our Guardini for a little bit and just let me know if you know. I, I'm completely helpless at this point. Yeah. You know, I'm Googling like, you know, well, it turns out all of our, our whole breaker box is connected into the church. And so something yep. something flipped in the church, and so it was just like this maze all morning. But I was reminded of like, left to my own kind of qualifications and reserves, if I owned a house, I think I would be in a lot of trouble yeah. most of the time. But once you once you do it once, you know how to do it the next time. Well, that's what my brother says. Every every trip to Home Depot, you learn something about the house. You know? Right. So now I know where the electrical connection is. Yeah, I mean... Uh, that's kind of hard because uh, you didn't know if it was a power outage for the whole neighborhood because there wasn't really a storm or anything yesterday. No. The most important thing was how are we going to get coffee? Right? Why did, the, why did it have had the Bialetti, you know? Why did it happen? Well, you got a jet boil. You're fine. Yeah. Um, you, we don't know. We don't know how it happened. But, but I mean, if it went out at 11 o'clock last night, how do you know it's not going to happen again? Yeah. Not sure. So these are the mysteries. We He's have to got a camp espresso maker that uh, he could use. I do, and Goble could show you how to use it because he's really good at. Yeah, uh, I can. I I can exercising the you know machine that makes an espresso. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. So yeah, guys are doing well though. We're two weeks into the semester. Parents' weekend, which is always great. That um, was quick. Yeah, parents' weekend. Yeah. Yeah, they moved it up early this year. I don't know why. But uh, Lecter, Acolyte, yesterday, guys are advancing. Lecter and Acolyte are, sounds like nothing, but it's these these instituted offices that you receive along the way. They're steps. Um, we did a very poor podcast on this called Minor Orders a long right, time ago. Right, right. Uh, but when you're languishing in the desert of seminary for yes. nearly a decade, something that says, I'm advancing, right? Yeah. I'm over this sand dune. At least now I'm, you know, one further out or whatever. So the guys did well, but uh, Cody Bliss in seminary. Rick and Mary were there last night. Yep. Shout out to them. I Love met that Mary. Guy. Love met Mary. That guy. You met, met Mary. Rick. Yep, you met Mary, and I said I heard you met Father Nathan Goebel in a random barbecue yep. bar in South Fork, and she was like, it was the best. I, yeah. It was just, they're sitting there. It was crazy. In waiters, the whole bit. I couldn't believe it. I mean, to walk into a random bar in the middle of a small town, southern Colorado, five hours from Denver, and walk in and see Cody Bliss and his mom. And then he showed me that hog. Have you seen that video yet? Oh, yeah. Of the rainbow trout? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exceptional. I heard about there's golden trout in Colorado. Do you know that? That's what they were fishing for. Yeah. Right? I didn't even know that was them. Or no, Did they it? were fishing for the Rio Grande cutthroat. Right. Which somebody just co- as somebody corrected me that it's the Colorado cutthroat. Right. Because the Colorado turns into the Rio Grande. Brothers and sisters, I did political science, not geography. Right. Right. All I know is that water rights are really important. Do you know the phrase, whiskey's for fighting, water's for dying? Right. So that's all I know. Yeah, it was great. Cody and his mom invited me to go fishing, and then I said, oh, wait, I don't I don't have a reel. You don't have a reel. I don't have a reel because, uh, yeah. So anyways, I was maybe lost by a certain John Fraker. Uh, who will remain nameless? Okay, so yeah, but it's good to see them. Good to be, uh, good to be back, and um, yeah, we're in it. We're in it. But with that being said, I have a kind of a all over the place topic today. And nice. I, but you are going to be, um, you're going to be helpful because you know this inside and out. You're looking at a copy of the spiritual exercise of Saint Ignatius uh-huh. of Loyola, which yeah. you have obviously made many times, thanks to our shared father. Raymond Goronsky. So I, I had a guy come to me at today at St. Joan of Arc, and he says, uh, we have a mutual father in Christ. And I said, oh, yeah? And he said, yes, your spiritual father, his spiritual father is my spiritual father. And I was like, okay. And he said, Owen Carroll. Uh, and I'm like, ah. They were kind of friends. Friends. Yeah. Right. Right. But like I, I was like Tom King, yeah, you know, and then he said I won Carol. So Tom King was his, yeah. By the way, if you want uh, Tom, many of Tom King's uh, homilies are on YouTube. Uh, if you ever get bored and want to check shout out, out to Josh and Lauren Green, friends of mine from back. I met them at Christ the King. They've lived in uh, Ohio for the last decade, trying to move back, but they are Georgetown kids. She converted at Georgetown, and uh, they had Tom King. They knew him right at the end. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Uh, he was a great Jesuit, and he was the spiritual father of our spiritual father, Raymond Gronsky, and he was named, I think, Georgetown Man of the Century. Do you remember when Gronsky told us that? No, I didn't know that. He used to do a mass at 11 p.m. every night on campus. That's right. Incredible. Incredible yep. man. So anyways, uh, there are exercises. giants. There are giants, uh, and um, we have uh, been very privileged to um, get them. There's a lot you can talk about with Ignatian prayer. And I went down a couple different rabbit holes thinking about what to do, and I actually didn't really arrive at one. But um, the reason I'm thinking about this today is because I made the spiritual exercise in the end of July, and Father Dan Barron, who is my confessor and director on the retreat, said it's important that you get a couple months out from a retreat and that you just go back. Mm-hmm. Revisit the graces. Yep. And so I was kind of going back through the exercise, and I was just struck again by the richness of this, but I thought I'd start by telling you a story and asking you a question. So, what is your policy on hitchhiking? What is the story here? It's coming. Oh. Uh, It's it's connected to the retreat. I mean, uh, I don't advise it, uh, but I think in certain circumstances it's necessary. Um, I have only picked up, I want to say, two or three hitchhikers in my life. Um. And that might be an overstatement. Um, but my cousin, Tony, uh, party time. Party time. Party time. Tony Brandt. <laughs> uh, he hitchhiked all the way from uh, Colorado to Oregon to California and back. Wow. Whole, yeah. No. 
I think Mike Rapp would have a very different perspective on this. I think he, he would, would do be, it. He'd yeah. be like, he'd be like party time. Yeah, he could do it. You have to really enjoy random conversations with random strangers. Yep. You know, that, that would be a big part of it. Hours and hours, days and days of just talking to random people. That sounds, sounds like being a parish priest, right? So Sometimes. Yeah. I uh, was out on a bike ride on my silent retreat. I was about four days in. It's an eight-day retreat up in a cabin, thanks to Steve and Barbara Golder, my patrons, and uh, who loaned me the cabin for the week. And I was about 30 miles away from the cabin on a bike, um, up by the Telluride Airport, actually, uh, when boom, the uh, two back spokes uh, just snapped, just broke. Brand new wheel set, infuriating. When a, when a spoke breaks on a wheel, it's like, it's over. It's over. The ride's over. So there I am stuck on the side of the road. I've never hitchhiked before in my life. And uh, I'm meditating on the retreat on the two standards of Christ, which starts with what? Poverty, right? Yep. From poverty to humiliation to humility. Hmm, and point. so I'm standing on the side of the road, and I'm like, well, are you poor enough to actually hitchhike? Are you desperate enough to actually hitchhike? Because you never have been before. There's always somebody you can call. You saved me. Yeah, I saved him. In June. There's right. always somebody who saved I saves. picked up you as a hitchhiker. You did. Yeah, that's true. You have picked up it. I was your third. I'm always either in control, have a plan, or have somebody who can help me. Yeah. And this was one of the first times in my life uh, where I had none of that. I didn't have a phone because I had turned it off for the retreat. Um, and I'm stuck on the side of the road. I can't move on this bike. So I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to look simultaneously as normal as possible and as pathetic as possible, right? Because I think somewhere in there is the perfect combination for getting picked up. Right, and you're in spandex. Spandex, and I'm standing in spandex. And uh, a lot of people passed me. A lot of them. A lot of them. And my bike is upside down. Did you put your thumb out? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Um, So how long were you out there for? Long enough to kind of start to despair in humanity. Yeah. I was just like, I'm so desperate and I'm so exposed and I'm so poor and I'm, I'm just helpless and nobody cares. Did you have a credit card? Yep. Okay. So you, you, you were, you did, if you needed to, you could have walked to the Telluride airport or whatever and got a hotel or cab or whatever. Yeah. I think I had a, I had a card. So but it, it wasn't was like, completely, but I didn't have my phone. Yeah. But I mean, you're like, you're how many miles away from there? 30. 30 miles? From where? I'm 30 miles from my cabin. How many miles were you from the airport? Oh, five. Still, five miles. I mean, walking five miles with your bike? Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm at a, I'm on a busy intersection. And you're barely clothed. I mean, come on. I can't give you more than this, The people. elements? Gotta, the know. elements? Bears? <laughs> okay. So it's kind of getting into evening, and I'm, uh, I'm just like, this is really... Uh, disheartening i would say but i was thinking about the fact that i just drive past people all the time all the time every day i drive past people who are begging um because i live downtown and i drive past hitchhikers and don't even think twice about it you know and uh so it was just this like crazy hour meditation on poverty and dependence and um and then all of a sudden from across the street this uh woman about my age um she says, hey, do you need a ride? And I said, yeah, but I'm going that way. I thought, And she had, she said, I had turned around because I felt bad for you. Oh. And she picks me up, and um, 
we have the most providential conversation like ever. It was just, it starts with, oh, thanks for picking up. She's like, my dad's a cyclist and, you know, he would appreciate this. And I was like, yeah, thank you. And she's like, you didn't look like too much of a creeper. And I was like, thanks. So, but then it just, it just (laughs) naturally led into, okay, what are you doing? I'm on a silent retreat. What are you? I'm a Catholic priest. Okay. And then, and then just getting into her story and her experience of Christian life. And then at the end, I was just like, I'm just literally praying for the next four days. What can I pray for you for? Mm -hmm. There you go. And then boom, 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 boom. Things start coming out. And it was amazing. And I got a ride back and I really did pray for her um, over those last few days. You, then, she took you 30 miles? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So Into the middle of nowhere. Well, yeah. So my car was parked down at the bottom of, okay, not okay. all the way up to the cabin. Yeah. Okay. But I was, still. I was going to say like that. Yeah. That's like the beginning of a Stephen King novel or exactly. something. Exactly. So a couple days later, the retreat's over and I'm driving past that exact same spot. And what do I see? A, a hitchhiker. What? Standing in the exact same spot. And you drove past him. I did. Because he looked terrifying. I was oh, like, come on. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. He looked like he was on heroin. And, Jesus. Yep. And I was and then I was like, yep. I learned nothing. <laughs> I learned nothing. I just drove past him. He's in the exact same spot. So anyways. <laughs> yep. That's so, that's uh, still a work in progress. Yep. yep. Um so I, I I think that the um the point of this is to say the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, um, and I don't want to go into this too long, but there's kind of Ignatian spirituality and what we call Neo-Ignatian spirituality. That's kind of how I'm delineating this. Like this is the, mm-hmm. when you get into the, the essence of St. Ignatius is about experiencing the radical need that we have for God, the radical poverty that is at the heart of our lives, um, and then, but moving from that into a life of service. As he says, we are created to praise, reverence, and serve God, and by this means to save our soul. Um, so moving from the kind of helplessness of our poverty to uh, a life of service. And a lot of my retreat, individually, was specifically focused on how do you move from that place? How do you move from the spot where you are actually doing nothing when you're on the side of the road with a broken bike and you're just in spandex helpless to actually giving and serving and, and making a total gift of yourself. How do you, how do you move from that? And for St. Ignatius, and this is what the point of the podcast today is, uh, it's all about election. Election is the center of everything and election in Christ is what sets us up to stand and posture ourselves to him. So that's the kind of initial, uh, thought. So, but you, I, I know you've thought much on this, so well, I'll be have, curious to hear how you I mean, you they have these forward. buzzwords. They have these buzzwords in the in the Jesuit community, like "men for others." Remember what Gronsky used to say, because it became it was "men for others," and then it was "men and women for others," and then they changed it to "women, women and men for others," and then he said, eventually, it's just going to be people for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, if you move from poverty to service. Um, and you said that the most important thing is election. How does this not just become social work? Right. Like more and more social work. I right. need to be uh, radically given over for other people because of the injustices that are out there. Because um, I would say that uh, poverty um, poverty is 
you know, as it says in the scriptures, is the bulwark of true religion. And, and Ignatius uh, was very dedicated to poverty. And somehow we don't associate poverty with Jesuits anymore. Right. Right. As, as Gronsky used to say, if this is poverty, bring on chastity. Right. It's, as you'd say about Jesuit residences, right? It's not home, but it's much. That's what I, that's what I say about my house. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So I do think that poverty, um, <laughs> poverty for St. Ignatius has to be understood within the lens of surrender. Um, and this is big for von Balthasar, who I, I, I really read Ignatius through uh, Balthasar's. He directed the exercise over 100 times. So poverty is not just about, I have nothing, but it's about, it's one of the, the ways, it's one of the ways that Christ expresses his self-surrender to the Father. So mm-hmm. I am poor when I'm on the side of the road, and I experience this helplessness and this humiliation and this frustration that my retreat is not going the way it is. But in Christ, the, everything is an expression of his self-surrender. And that is a different way of thinking about the evangelical councils, poverty, chastity, and obedience. It's a different way of thinking about the impoverishment of your own life. But unless you make an election into a state in life, you don't have a form by which to surrender your existence. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about mm. to tether this to something. There is this continual temptation, and I have fallen victim to this, but it still exists today, to create, especially for millennials who are not yet in their vocation, the perfect kind of island paradise, you know, um, earthly paradise for the millennial where you can just kind of be Catholic and live a really sweet life and just be really faithful. Um, and I'm working with a lot of people who are um, just not interested in making um, an election into a state in life. Vocation is a question that gets punted down the line. You know, it's just kind of like, and again, there are some people who really anguish through discernment, but I'm just I'm shocked by the fact that when you and I met Christ, it was a pretty quick turnaround of like, now we go and make a total gift of ourselves. And we need to figure out, the first question is, how do we make a gift of ourselves? And I just, I don't think that is the norm anymore. And I think it's why we don't have a lot of vocations to the priesthood in Denver, is because we want an electionless Christian existence. I want to be able to kind of just hang, especially when I'm in my 20s as a millennial. And again, I've, I've fallen victim to this. Um, I've tried to create this, you know, where it's just like for St. Ignatius, for Balthazar, what you do with a young person is you bring them through the exercises so that they make an election in a state in life, so that they learn how to make a total gift of self, which means surrender. And that's what service is. It's not just yeah. ministry or social work or these things. It's about a, a given life. And I get concerned about the, uh, for a number of reasons, the way that we're forming young Catholics, we're giving them a great experience of conversion to Christ, and then we're trying to create these kind of little islands where you can just kind of hang and be good, but just kind of hang and be, kind of live your noncommittal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, this is like really problematic from a, from a, I think uh, an ecclesial perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it. I I was lucky enough that my conversion happened uh, around the same times that I that you normally jettison out of you know like your parents' basement. 
Um, but then I also, if I had chosen <clears throat> to go to law school instead of going into focus, I don't know if I wouldn't have been on that same trajectory. I mean, part of it is the crushing debt that people feel like leaving school. I mean, like they, they have to get, you know, their life in order. They got to start paying bills. They got to get a job, whatever. I mean, the cares and concerns of the world are even more demanding when you have a, a huge, you know, debt around your neck. Yeah. But so, I mean, I, I'm not excusing it, but I would say, like, I, I was lucky enough that I didn't have that. The other thing I would say is um, uh, it's a lot harder to stay on a bike when you are not moving. Like, if you're in motion, if you're riding somewhere, even if you're going slow, it's easier to stay stable. Once you slow down to the point of, like, barely pedaling, yeah. like, now all of a sudden it's just... It, you're just weebly wobbly. Yeah. And um, I I see that a lot in people where I'm just like, of course you would be trapped in a whirlpool of, I mean, week to week, month to month, year to year. Like you're not actually moving towards anything. Um, what is the ambition of your life right now? It's like fantasy football leagues, um, like – hopefully doing something with friends on this time. Like if there's not real ambition and I think Ignatius, thankfully, like he transformed through Christ, like the ambition that he had for worldly things into spiritual things. But like, even there are some people that I'm like, you don't even have ambition, right? You don't have a drive. Like you're just trying to stay on top of this, this bicycle. And it's just, it feels really weird. Right. So, yeah, the um, the the challenge is, and I, I don't blame I don't blame myself or people who have attempted to say this is how we have to evangelize, you know, young people. Like I'm thinking post college, is we just create these like really cool places where they can kind of hang out and and just kind of be, and again, be electionless, vocationless, and and um, mm-hmm. and like you can do you get to do that for five or ten years, and I. I think beneath that, um, there's a real desire there. It's like we need to evangelize millennials, and millennials are non-committal. So how do you? And I'm kind of like, well, we we can't create non-committal ambit like atmospheres in order to see them grow. We have to say the Christian life is in movement, like you're saying, and it's inherently um, the life of a pilgrim, which means that the second that you get out of your little sweet Catholic millennial bubble and start moving towards a vocation, you're going to feel like a hitchhiker. Because what happens is your life actually gets impoverished when you start to set it before God and say, I need to make a definitive gift of myself. Because love desires to make a vow. Love doesn't desire to just kind of, I'm Catholic enough. I got a lot of cool adventuring I need to do uh, in the next decade. And then I'll and then I'll kind of think about, you know, if, if I don't meet a girl that I, you know, then kind of think about these things. It's like, this is just, I think we're catering to that, and I think we need to really shift our mentality. Now, if, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, you don't give us these opportunities, where do we make the exercises? I know, that's part of the problem, you know? Where no, do no, people no, go no. to pray? No, no, no. The, the, there's a place called, I think it's called the White House um, in uh, St. Louis, and they give the exercises regularly. I mean, 
if you're actually intent on doing this, we can facilitate that. But like right. a lot of times people are like, I want you to give this retreat to me and I don't want it to cost anything. And I want to be able to do it from the comfort of my own armchair. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you can do that through the Leontieri Center in um, in Denver, like over the period of a year or something. It's called the 19th Annotation. Um, and, you know, they partner you with it. Oh, man, that sounds like a lot. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy, man. I don't I mean, know. I got, I got, I got volleyball. Time. I got sand volleyball on Thursdays. Sand volleyball. And I got, you know, right. like... Uh, you know, we got this pub crawl on Saturday, and I, asked I, somebody, and I, I sing at the evening mass on Sunday. It's just like, I, you know, and it's just if they like, do that, if they do that. I right. mean, I say to some people, I'm like, hey, would you like to, would you like to help out? You know, at the church. You know, do you want to get more involved? It's like, ah, I'm just so busy. You know, I'm like, okay, like, like I can't, I can't make you less busy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do more things, but I think they are the things that you should be focused on. So, um. It's good. I mean, if you are actually interested in uh, doing the exercises, we can put a few links uh, on our website. And then uh, if other people have other ones, I mean, just reach out. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be the exercises. It's just it's just like the framework of the Christian life. The pattern of Christian existence is I encounter Jesus, this attractive, exceptional presence that corresponds to the desires of my heart, and I desire to give everything to them. The first question is I need to find the form of that self-gift. That's called a state in life. And the election is how God calls us into one of those states of life. Hmm. Lay state, priestly state, religious state. This is the Ignatian framework. It's not the only one, right? Sure. It's But it's the gospel. And we have to bring that question back to the front of, to the priority. Um, you're coming out of college. You're coming, you're moving to Denver. This is the top priority, right? You don't get, now you don't get to hang for five, 10 years and just kind of do your thing. So the exercises are a privileged way of focusing on um, spiritual growth as an election into a state in life, uh, which means saying, I desire to commit my life. And I, what I'm interested in this, I guess the, 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 the interesting question that I'm asking or trying to ask within this is we're not just busy and preoccupied and noncommittal for the sake of being busy, preoccupied, non-committal, and this is the same for us priests in our activism, and we're we're mm-hmm. we're not we're not living this, and that's why it's not compelling. But we're doing that. We're busy. We're preoccupied. We're non-committal. Why? Because we don't want to face our poverty. Because we don't want to be hitchhikers, right? I don't want to be dependent. I don't want to be limited. I don't want to make a choice. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear God elect me into a state in life. I just want to know that I'm loved and feel like I'm living a good, a good enough life, a meaningful enough life, a given enough life instead of everything. And um, it only makes it harder when you get into your state in life, when you become a parent and you have littles who are just exacting every last ounce of your energy, or when you're a priest and all you're doing is drinking bourbon, sitting around the pool all day. It's right? so which hard. Is, which is what we do. The, um, so it's, hard. It's a, it's a, it's a much more violent yeah. movement instead of saying the point of my life is to give my life. And, um, but I have to embrace the poverty that lies beneath that. And I have to stop doing everything. Um, and so there's just a big culture change that has to happen within, within young Catholic community, I think. Okay. I'm yeah. You I'm, with me? I'm behind that. I think you are. I'm, uh, he has multiple books in front of him. So I'm just w- 
waiting for him to to get to the that we already are in the meat, but uh, I I wanted to seem like you were ramping up towards the actual exercises or Balthazar's interpretation. I have a number of things, and I'm trying what to just say, and I think I'm just going to say three things or quote three things here just to kind of, and then we'll wrap this up. Kind of like I said the other day, I was like, I have three homilies today. I would like to give one. Nice. Yeah, I'll just quote uh, Balthazar here for three three different times. So number one, um, we talked about how for St. Ignatius, the center of the spiritual exercises is the election into a state in life. That means that you don't go on retreat just to kind of collect more, I don't know, merit badges for your spiritual life, right? And there's a temptation to this of just like, I got to just do more novenas and more things in order to kind of adorn my spiritual life. The centerpiece, this is what Balthazar says, the centerpiece of the exercises is the election. The central encounter with God as an encounter with God who elects, with a God who elects. He says, not not with the Augustinian God of uh, requies or core iniquitatem, not just my own subjective experience, right? Um, but he's saying, with a God who, electing in incomprehensible freedom, descends upon the elected one in order, in order to requisition him for his unforeseeable purposes, straight through all restlessness and all striving. So the purpose of election is that God requisitions us, right? He takes us. Mm-hmm. And I think, like... I'm just reading this through the the name of this podcast is probably going to be the hitchhiker's guide to the spiritual exercises. So I'm thinking about everything as like I was requisitioned once I was basically shipwrecked. My bike broke down. Yeah. But until that happens, I don't need an election. I don't need, I don't need somebody to choose me Mm -hmm. and to say, I will, I will get you to your end. Yeah. And so that's the connection between poverty and the election is that I, we're, we're just fine. We're on our bikes. Everything's just cool. Kind of we're, and this is, you know, we're just kind of living our thing and we don't need to be requisitioned. We don't need to be elected. We don't need to be chosen. But the prerequisite to being chosen is to realize you need, you desperately need God to choose you and to direct you and to form you uh, and to, to give you the way that you're supposed to serve. We can't just live in the illusion of I'm fine. I'm kind of, just Catholic enough, kind of doing my thing, and everything's cool. And I surround myself with a lot of people my age, and we, we live this kind of vocationless Christian life, and everything's cool. And it's like, that, it's got to go. So is the election, when you say election, are you saying that that's us choosing God or God choosing us? First, God choosing us. So first is the election of God of us. Yeah. And then is there a simultaneous or a subsequent movement of us choosing God? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But would you say that more people, you're, you're, focusing, you're focusing more on, because I, I just want to make sure that people get this, you're saying that more people need to see that they have been chosen by God versus more people need to choose God. Um, I'm not sure if I would say it that way. I'm kind of, this is like kind of, this is kind of hints and guesses. This is kind of sketching towards something that I'm experiencing in the church in Denver right now. And I think it's uh, it's all over, mm-hmm. which is I want to form a community, an island of friendship that's really Christian, but is vocationless. And I'm saying to myself, why is that so attractive? Because 
young Catholics, and I mean real Catholics, ones who actually have faith, they don't want to be at your parish. They don't want to be at St. Joan of Arc. They don't want to be at Our Lady Lords. They're going to go to other places to get fed, in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. To get formation, to get community. Yeah. Um, but there's something about, it's not just kind of the millennial thing of like, we go to where it's the coolest thing right now. And there's a lot of like, whatever's trending in, in Denver, this has kind of been a thing for a long time here. We always have like the new thing, you know, and everybody has to be a part of the new thing. Um, so it's not just that. It's just, there's something about parishes are like, why is the parish not attractive to the millennial? And partially because the music sucks and the community is kind of weird, but it's more than that. It's a parish is a place where people are elect and they live out of an election and there's a stability and a life to that. And it begins with a priest who says, this is what the Christian life looks like. It has to be given according to your state in life. And that means that you're going to pray differently than I am and that it's going to, the, the, the pattern of life is going to look different, but there, there has to be, we have to double down on this. It just can't be coffee and donuts club anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Or bingo hall. Um, yeah. Because the young young Catholics are going to be like, we don't want anything to do with that. And but I but I think those what you're describing is a parish where we we're no longer hitchhikers. We're no longer we're no longer we no longer have the memory of feeling dependent on being chosen. Right. And that's why I'm saying that it seems to me like you're you're pointing to we need more people to. Um, have the experience of their brokenness or poverty where you know their spoke breaks on the bike of their life and they say i need like i need for the first time right and then having experienced that need we realize that there is one who out of all the people that have passed by they have actually said i will condescend and aid you and then we live from that. We live from that position of I was I was chosen in him. Is that correct? Right on. I just want to make sure right because on. because then I think that that takes a different form than we just need more Christians. Right. We just need more Catholics. Like we need more people checking boxes. We need more people at mass. We need more people at coffee and donuts. It's like, no, I don't need more people. I need more people that have experienced this. Right. It's a good point. Yeah. So, and parish, the word parish come from prokioi, the Greek. Do you know that one? No. It literally means those like sojourners. Like the word parish is pilgrims. It's it's a collection of people who are wow. in Alien people, like in a in a foreign land, they're we are. foreigners. Yeah. So a, a parochioi is a collection of foreigners who are gathered together, and we need to feel that. We need to feel that we don't belong in this world, and that we can't create kind of a sweet hybrid where we're like really cool, and we're really living a sweet life, and then we're also like Christian. And I think this is a Protestantism imbibes this more than we do, but we definitely kind of fall victim to it. So the key is. The experience of dependence, of need, of being a hitchhiker, um, of poverty, is rooted in the poverty of Christ, which is enveloped within this total and perfect self-surrender to the Father, which is which is coextensive with His love. So we have to reinterpret poverty in light of surrender, the physical experience mm-hmm. of the spoke breaking and hitchhiking, yeah. with the invitation to this different 
spiritual way of living, which surrender, which is surrender. And this is just what I'll I'll give this one, and then we'll kind of wrap it up here. Sorry, this is kind of all over the place, but we are we're trying to strike into something. Deep I like here. that description. It's sketches. You yeah, know? some sketches. Sketchers. Okay. This is another uh, line from our guy. By their relentless practicality, the exercises shove the searcher into the center of the gospel and leave him alone there with Christ, with the triune God who speaks to him. In this, And he says, in order to be sure to arrive at the center, one must first be stripped of his illusions about self, his fantasies and sins, so that, quote, naked as he can follow the naked Christ, which is from Ignatius, so that God's word, Christ, can confront him personally, nose to nose. This happens not somewhere at the edges, but in the center of his existence, so that the call becomes a turning point in his life. This event of the election constitutes the sole center, meaning, and purpose of the whole book, the exercises, and surrounded with much prudent advice. The rest of the exercises merely have to do with sharing Christ's path. So when St. Ignatius is saying the election is a life-deciding event that does not necessarily correspond with your conversion or your reversion or your life of faith up to this point. It's that moment when you step into it and you say, as you did, I'm not going to just be uh, a married guy and be a church worker. I tried. You tried, right? Yeah, I tried to barter a deal, but ultimately it wasn't. It was. It was more negotiation than it was surrender. And the and the reason we don't want this. And the reason that you and I, even though we're in a state life, we don't want this still is because in order to arrive at the center, the center of the gospel, which is Christ alone, as he says, one must be stripped of his illusions about himself. Yeah. That's, that's the point where we say, yeah, sorry, I'm just too busy. I'm going to fill my life with a lot of different things, a lot of good things, you know, just, but not, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. The script stripping of the illusions, rendering and revealing the poverty of our own existence, of our own life, poverty of our love, the poverty of the fact that the spokes don't work on the wheels, that we can't get back to where we belong. We, we're not in our home, and most people don't care, and we feel the coldness of secular culture instead of kind of trying desperately to conform the church to it. We have to have people who feel this, and St. Ignatius was doing this in the 16th century, and he's been inviting, inviting people into it ever since. So yeah. it's one way. But it's uh, sketches, as you said, a hitchhiker's sketch, hitchhiker's guide. Well, and I just to be clear, like when Saint Ignatius talks about the election, he's not just saying the only people that make the the election are religious people. Right. It's what he's saying is people who have made the exercise. Like, have you? Have you? gotten to the point where you have been faced with this have you have you encountered yourself deep enough to actually admit that i i need this um and i would say like i just had a marriage prep the other day and uh it was evident that one or possibly both of them had not fully encountered jesus and so when I'm asking them about moral demands, they have no interest because it's still on the outside. It requires effort and even discipline to allow yourself to be addressed at the center of your existence. Right. And 
I as you were reading that, I was like, that echoes very beautifully like uh, Baldazar's uh, point that he always makes about that poem from Rilke about the Apollo. That when you encounter real beauty, the the uh, the conclusion or like the the subsequent uh, what is the Latin for it follows, you know. Uh-huh. Sequitur. Yeah, yeah, like the the sequitur of that is you must change your life. Like and so having made the election, you can do all of these other things because you're free. Like you've severed the ties. It's not severing the ties of family. It's not severing the ties of, you know, like you'll no longer have a mortgage payment or whatever. Right. It's you now are following Christ. And he will show you. He will demonstrate this to you. So. Yeah. Yep. Well said. And I hope that this this doesn't just come off as a critique, but also an invitation that our lives make more sense the more that we conform ourselves to our call. When we try and privatize our life as priests, this is the bachelor 10%. This is my day off or whatever it is, you know. Um, whenever we try and carve out little sections of individuality in our life instead of allowing to be expropriated um that's that's when we become miserable and frustrated and we've done that we've watched others do that um Mm -hmm. we're working at it it's a total gift of self the election is an essential part of it young people who have had conversions desperately need to be formed uh and challenged into this and that's what we're doing so shout outs all right quick like a rabbit i mean uh, if you're looking for places to do the uh, exercises, find where there are Jesuits and see if you can do it with them. We can't, we can't uh, promise you that every Jesuit um, has a deep understanding or an appreciation of St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises in the same way that we have received it. Um, I, I don't know how to say that charitably, um, but there are those that are less focused on the original documents and more about the new avant-garde, uh, gospels of environmentalism and social justice, though, though that has its place. Uh, it's important to find, you know, those who are familiar with the spiritual exercises. I, (laughs) so there's Jesuits all over the country and all over the world. Um, don't ask us and we're not going to be your litmus test about whether or not they're legit. I would still say if you do the exercises with, with a Jesuit, it's probably better than, uh, what you would receive if you try to give it to yourself. The other one, the other one that Father John mentioned, are the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Uh, they're in Illinois, California, Boston. Um, they would be excellent resources uh, for for that. Um, uh, the Avila Institute uh, with uh, Anthony Lillis and oh gosh, what is his name? Daniel Burke. Yeah. Um, Daniel Burke. Yep. Uh, you know they would be they would be sound guides. Um, but you know, like we, we can't exhaust all of them, but if you've never made a three day, a five day, or if you have the access for it, an eight day retreat, um, it's, it's well worth your time. So, um, I guess we'll give a shout out, um, 
you know, my main director's dead, you know, Gronsky. But uh, at, at Thomas, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in, in California, he, he, he led yours. Yep. Right? C.M. Buckley. C.M. Buckley. Father, at least 140 at this point. Yeah. So uh, Father Cornelius Michael Buckley is still at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, in California. So uh, he was one of the directors on my retreat. I live with one of the other directors on my retreat, uh, Father Chris Hellstrom. Uh, so I'm trying to think of who else led me through. Uh, Monsignor Essif. Uh, Monsignor John Essif led me through. So grateful for those guys. Yeah. And the key is it's not as much about the structure. It's more about the spirit of doing this, of acknowledging and living the poverty that you have in, in light of Christ and allowing, you're setting yourself up to hear his voice so that you can make an election and know the state in life, the posture by which he desires you to make a total gift of self. Did I give a shout out to Sarah Blanchard last time? I don't United know. Methodist minister who wrote us back in 2018 yes. converted to Catholicism. Yeah. Okay, that, that's a great example of, of a woman who is true hitchhiker on the way. Oh yeah. Saying, I don't know how the Lord's going to use my desire for ministry, but that right. that's very inspiring. Um, and then Father Jerome Santa Maria, we were just talking. He's down in Australia and um, great mind. I just want to say congrats on finishing your doctorate. He was with Mike and I in Rome. Um, I have a copy of it. I look forward to reading it. Um, but he's just a great, great uh, scholar, great mind, and uh, honored that he listens to the podcast. So, Jerome, shout out to you. So I got, uh, briefly, I got locked out of my Facebook account uh, because uh, my password was changed from uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. Uh, Note well, I've never been to Vietnam. Uh, I haven't been on Facebook in eight years, uh, posting at least. Um, But uh, my password was changed. So I spent the last three, four weeks trying to convince Facebook that I am actually the real Nathan Goebel. Um, So just like, you know, Donald Trump has the, the at the real Donald Trump or whatever. Um, I'm the real Father Nathan Goebel. Uh, I'm back on Facebook. So I happened to look at my messages to get something from that they had sent me, whatever. And there was a message from Quinn Bagley. Quinn Bagley. Quinn Bagley is is a hitchhiker. Okay. Like, and that dude, uh, we we knew each other in high school. We were both friends with Trevor Brothers. Um, yeah, I mean, Quinn and I go way back. Um, he's listening to the podcast. And I'm like, I didn't even know you were Catholic. I didn't even know he was Christian. Uh, well, I think I did. I think he, I thought he went to the Methodist church. So Mrs. Bagley was the kindergarten teacher uh, that I didn't have. I had Mrs. Holmanship. Uh, Mrs. Bagley was the, you know, uh, kindergarten teacher. And Quinn and I, like, grew up together. Um, he went to Salem, I think. And then we were both at Mount Zion all the way through. So shout out to Quinn Bagley. I uh, hope this podcast is helping you find what you need. That's nice. It. Well, there you go. Let's wrap it up. Take a break. Come back with another here. All right, folks. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out. Leave us a lovely uh, Apple uh, commentary that we can rag on later.